The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. Wait, wait, stop there. Do it again in a vampire voice. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Yes, welcome back to Cancelled Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I am Count Blah. I am Count Blah. I eat get the blah. Yeah, I, I apologize to any Romanian listeners we have. They're probably really <laughs> sick of that bullshit. Uh, I'm sure they are. Okay, but uh, uh, yeah, so this is Cancelled Too Soon, we review TV shows, blah. Uh, and this is Monstober, so we're still reviewing a whole bunch of horror shows. If you want to catch up, if you're new, mm-hmm. and I know uh, we have some new listeners because we just did a big schmodown uh, a schmoville appearance and we'll talk about that in a second mm. uh yeah we we reviewed some amazing crap like oh. <laughs> total crap this month like this has been a really bad month we, like we, good ex- for you bad for us we exhumed we, terrible shit. we exhumed a lot of monsters a yeah. lot a lot of draculas yeah and, we, uh, we did uh, the golly the terrible 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 1987 pilot for bates motel which oh, was, was not about norman bates but was about ghosts just like Psycho. Sure. Uh, and we reviewed Monster Squad, which was a live-action knockoff of the Adam West Batman series. With, um, with monsters instead of Batman. Yeah, and it's as bad as it sounds. And then there we did the Hanna-Barbera series Drac Pack, which was like Monster Squad with infinitely worse writing. And that's even worse than it sounds. <laughs> it was really bad. Dra- Drac Pack was, was a bit of a chore. And, and strangely enough, we're coming around to the best... Uh, series that we're going to cover for Halloween. Absolutely, it's but one of our it's one of more requested series. It is one of our more requested time, series. Uh, did someone donate this, or did yes, we, we have did. it all? Uh, okay, uh, we we uh, 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 Topher White. Oh, hello, Topher. Uh, donated this. Hi, William. Vampires and this p- got smudged a bit because I put oh, okay. a piece of tape on it. <laughs> uh, loved this because I think I loved this because I was a fan of the White Wolf booking game series on which this is based. Too bad it is more soap opera than horror. Mm. Uh, you know what it is. But before we get into the review, we really want to uh, take a moment. Uh, to say thank you to Christian Harloff and all of the schmoes. And yeah, just that whole team over at Collider, because they've been very welcoming to us. Very much so. Uh, when the B-Movies podcast, our weekly movies podcast, uh, uh, rather unceremoniously uh, ended in, uh-huh. uh, in August, uh, we had a lot of people wondering what's next, What's when you're coming back. When you come mm. back with... A movie review podcast because Cancel Too Soon, though fun, is is a bit niche. People like you know, <laughs> us to talk about sort of stuff that they want to see. Stay <laughs> uh, stay up on the new stuff. Yeah. Like, what, um, what did we? Th- what did you think of Jigsaw? Well, <laughs> well it wasn't very good. Uh, we saw that last night and mm. it sucked. Uh, even compared to the other Saw movies, it, it that I liked. It didn't suck. It just 
sucked. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we took a couple of weeks off after the B Movies podcast to just sort of lick our wounds. Mm. We hadn't had a break up from that. We hadn't had a two week break from that podcast in over six and a half years. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we had missed a few episodes here and there. And but it was never usually more because, than one week. And it was usually because we were working so hard on other stuff. Yeah. So um, like I was in San Diego Comic Con mm. and you couldn't find a guest host. So we just something like, yeah, but then we would make up for it with bonus episodes. So mm. it was still insane. So uh, let the insanity will soon commence <laughs> recommence if recommence. you will uh, over at the SK Plus network you will be able to hear our new movie podcast critically acclaimed is the title uh, over at the Schmozno iTunes feed or on SK Plus which is a YouTube channel feed now mm. this will not be videos not be you will not see me and Whitney interacting the whole time but if it's more convenient for you to just click on that put it in the background while you're working or something like that mm. that is that will soon be available to you for our new podcast critically acclaimed I, I hope that they find some sort of like public domain images that they can pan slowly over while we do our, our <laughs> film reviews. Maybe just like pages of like Charles Dickens Bleak House or something so mm-hmm. that we can read a classic if they if a, the boss comes into the room. There you go. Uh, but uh, <laughs> So the new show, for those of you who are, who are wondering, we know a lot of you have, we've had a lot of questions mm-hmm. about it. Uh, if you loved the B-Movies podcast, uh, thank you. Or, or even if you just kind of liked it. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be very similar in a lot of ways. We're still going to do movie reviews. We're still going to do retrospectives. We're still going to do some letters. We'll, we'll set up a new letters column mm. uh, email address just for the new show soon. Um, it's not set up yet, so we're not going to give don't, you the don't, address don't, yet. Don't flood our inbox yet. We're going to have a new email address. Um, but we have a new main event, and we really want to get all of the schmovillions, the schmoes, if you will, uh, Involved mm. and you and, if and and those of you who are not familiar with Schmoville at all, absolutely. Yeah. You go to the Schmoville Facebook page. It's a fan page for all the Schmoes shows, mm. all the Schmoes podcasts and web series. Uh, and every week, starting next week, we're going to run polls in which you get to choose which terrible movie we're going to review every single week. Mm-hmm. You're going to pick one absolutely terrible, and by by me, all means, go nuts. Like, go- su- suggest something we've never... We've had somebody on our on our tail for the longest time to review something called Yeti, A Love Story. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, su- most people that, haven't even heard of that. Suggest we'll it. it. We'll, we'll, if we can if, track it down. If we can track it down, it's fair game. It does not have to be Batman and Robin level bad. It can be obscure, weird bad. Oh, Batman and Lo- Robin level bad is like... Mm-hmm. In, around a six in terms of quality I, for us <laughs> for us for, for people who seek out if, crap. if, if you want to see like a 0.5 film by all means yeah. we'll do it <laughs> we we are your huckleberries and uh uh and then we will also match that every week mm. we'll make a double feature with your terrible movie and a really good movie mm. to make a fun double feature that you can watch at home and you can actually like enrich yourself as you're indulging in lowbrow crap and we can also recommend great things to you while still being tortured by you yeah so one for you and one for us absolutely and the last episode of every month because we know a lot of fans of the bay movies podcast loved it when we reviewed an entire franchise Mm. the last episode of every month we will review an entire movie franchise which will also be decided by a poll at the schmoville facebook page Mm -hmm. so if you're not part of schmoville yet head on over it's a really good group it's very supportive I, i love everyone there they've been really inviting to us um, head on over there, join up, listen to some of the other Schmoes No shows, the SK Plus shows, uh, and uh, uh, sort of jump in. Mm. And then we, our new show, Critically Acclaimed, will premiere on Sunday, November 12th, 2017, and will be on every Sunday for mm. the foreseeable future afterwards. That That's the current plan. That's and that's the plan. Uh, it, it's, it's a relief 
I'm actually kind of stoked. And, and me too. I haven't <laughs> been this that excited we, for a new get, project in a while. We get to go back to doing the movie podcast because it was, you know, just a part of our lives for so long and it was just yeah. taken away. And so we had to hustle around for a little bit. And I'm glad we were able to get back on our feet as quickly as we did. Yeah. Well, I wanted to do it quicker, but uh, we can get into this more. We debut critically acclaimed. Mm. Um, we wanted to get into it pretty fast, but we had to figure out the best way to do it. Mm. And if we did it one way, it could have precluded us doing other things. Yeah. Like yeah, if we, if we started over here, then might, we can't work over here. Been like some conflicts of interest, and you don't yeah. want to hear the politics of it. No, but it's, yeah, we, it's, we had it's to, just lame. We just we want to make just, sure we did it right. We had to wait a little bit to make sure it was all every everything was kismet. Everything was copacetic, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, now we're going to find out if everything is copacetic with our last episode of Monstober. Uh, again, <laughs> so as as uh, Topher already described to you, the listeners, yeah. and you've probably intuited because it's, the title of the show is here. But yeah, we, we play coy. We just, like to be coy in the episode. Yeah, just because we like to lead into a clip. Mm-hmm. But let's let's do that now. Let's talk about the Aaron Spelling vampire soap opera, Kindred, The Embraced. They've already entered your world. We have Kindred in every walk of life, Frank. We're all around you. On April 2nd, all I ask is for a moment, get ready to enter theirs. Night is your friend now. Rock and roll! Kindred, The Embraced, premieres Tuesday, April 2nd on Fox. Kindred the Embraced. Kindred the Embraced. Yeah, Kindred um, the Embraced. Do you remember the 1990s Dark Shadows? Like when they tried to reboot Dark Shadows? Vaguely. Now, Dark Shadows is more than just a, a Tim Burton film, dear mm. listeners. Uh, it was a very long-running daily soap opera. Mm. And it was a horror-themed uh, was soap horror opera. That took place in yeah a, a vampire mansion, and the main character was a vampire, Barnabas Collins. Well, the and, vampire actually didn't show up for a really long time in that series, but then they, but then Barnabas Collins quickly became the protagonist. Okay. People, I, people forget that. It's like, I haven't it seen the while. early episodes. I, I yeah. know enough about it, and I've seen some mm. of the early episodes that like initially... It kind of was a little unfocused, and then mm. they introduced the vampire, and the show started revolving mm. around him, and it started to become a more, eh, just a more engaging show, a little mm. more focused. You know, what are you gonna do? It, it, it's a lot of people obsess over Dark Shadows because of sort of the, the cheapness of it. Yeah, like they it was, shot it was a daytime show. They yeah. shot on the fly. They did one take of most scenes. And That's you know, how if, daytime soap operas used to if work. They, if they left a prop on a table in the background, you can see it. And a lot of people have fun games, like trying to spot the props that were left on set. There you like, go. Like, tech things. Yeah, and- soap operas used to be what, like, prestigious theater actors would do during the day, mm-hmm. and then they would go off and do their theater shows in yeah, New York. So- Most operas were done in New York. So they were very quick. They, everyone just did their lines super fast, and it was a good uh, it was a good way for older actors to get regular work, mm-hmm. and for younger actors to get their start, learn discipline, get contacts, and a lot of the better actors mm-hmm. so- you know and love got their start in soap operas. I'm bringing up Dark Shadows because it's kind of like the golden standard of the vampire soap opera. It will never there aren't be- that many. It, yeah. Well, it's true, but the, it will never be beat I think even if a good one comes along, Dark Shadows will be casting a shadow over Somewhere it. Somewhere out there, uh, a Vampire Diaries fan is punching you in their mind. <laughs> I'm sorry, Vampire Diaries fans, or how soapy was Buffy the Vampire Slayer? That was pretty soapy, but it wasn't I imagine only it was, vampires. It's probably soapier near the end, as no, mo- was, most series go. But yeah, uh, that was that was more of a comic book kind of show, I feel like, than a soap okay. opera show. Um, but, uh, and uh, True Blood got pretty soapy sometimes. But, and, that, and that so was all paper. about like love triangles and all the rest and mostly yeah. extra sexy because it's on cable. Very sexy. Um, Very so, yeah. But uh, again, Dark Shadows stands over all of these. Now, in the yeah. early 90s, they tried to reboot Dark Shadows. We'll probably cover that at some point because it didn't last. No, it did not. Um, and that was that was a nightly show. That was like yeah. a, that was every week. So and it they wasn't were a... and they were tr- for some reason, the world was trying to latch on to a vampire soap. 
So uh, Aaron Spelling, the king of the nighttime soap opera, yeah. uh, who had just achieved enormous success with Beverly Hills 90210 and Melrose Place. Also on Fox, oh, like Kindred the Embrace. Mm. So he kind of had a blank check yeah, to kind of do yeah. anything he wanted. So he uh, went to this not actually pretty well-known role-playing game mm. called Vampire colon The Masquerade, yeah. which I played role-playing games when I was in high school. And I played stuff like Shadowrun and Dungeons and Dragons sure. and, and Tune and a lot of like incredibly nerdy things. And I went to a, a RPG convention once. And the people who were playing Vampire the Masquerade, who actually like wore the costumes and were stalking around the hotel biting each other, <laughs> were seen as like the lowest form of life at the yeah. role-playing game convention. And that was Everybody mocked the people who were playing Vampire there, the Masquerade. There should not be that kind of a cast system in a geek environment, if you ask me. It's like a Comic-Con. Well, there shouldn't it, be, but there is. I know. And I remember at Comic-Con, I, there was an, an early point when I was very... Like, I was young, I was immature, I said a lot of stupid things, and yeah. uh, but I was very anti-Twilight. Now, regardless of whether or not oh, you yeah. think those are good, um, it, it really wasn't fair for everyone at, like, Comic-Con, for example, to make fun of people who love Twilight. A lot mm. of the shit we like is objectively not necessarily very good. No. They love the thing. That thing enriched their lives and made them feel like they were a part of something. That should be an integral Bri- part of Comic Con. That's, that's briefly a great thing. until they discover better art. But so we're uh, not. Yeah. We're not. Well, people say that, but you know, comic books have evolved more into a medium that people can appreciate. Mm. You know, older and more mature ways. So that's fine. So we're not going to make fun of you if you're a huge fan of Kindred the Embraced or, or Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, but well, it was a, certainly it, it an had, unusual thing mm. to take. Not just, I mean, they, they were some books, and you'll notice that in, when they credit the books, uh, they credit the books in the show, and, and not, not the role-playing not game. the game, even though and it's based on the, the, the mythology from the game. Yeah. yeah, this is the only TV soap opera that I know of to be based on a role-playing game. There's no, like, <laughs> sexy Call of Cthulhu series that there, I'm aware there of. There was a Dungeons & Dragons animated show, but uh, that's not the same thing. No, not even close. Um, so, uh... Kindred the Embraced so yeah, but, aired but, on Fox mm-hmm. from April 2nd through May 9th, 1996. Uh, there were eight episodes. Not all of them aired. <laughs> uh, it was it premiered opposite reruns of Roseanne and Wings and a new episode of The Client and uh, did not do great. <laughs> Those were like the big, biggest hit shows of the time. Yeah, and those were reruns, and it still didn't yeah. do great. Uh, and uh, it aired on Wednesdays, mostly after Beverly Hills 90210. And if you recall, when we reviewed Profit, which was a very dark, somber, mm. cynical, mature, like about people in their 30s mm. uh, uh, sort of soap, or at least a, a take on the soap opera genre, mm. airing that after Melrose Place is not natural programming. That's counter-programming. Yeah. So a teen show about teens who have coffee and live in the most you know luscious area of town and fuck each other doesn't actually lead as well into vampire or into uh, kindred the embraced as you might think although i can see a very strong overlap between the two you know a, a teenage girl for instance might want to see the soap opera dynamics and the sexy vampire man in in well, Kindred the Embrace. We're going to talk about um, how like Kindred the Embrace the, is one of the many shows we do that has kind of a focus problem, and it's like it has it, a lot of different characters. Some of them appeal to teens, some of them yeah, don't. It's got a heck of a lot of moving parts. Uh, so, to, to give a little bit of the background, yeah, from the game, there are in the game there are thirteen, I believe, vampire sets, mm-hmm. 
And it, the show only deals with, I think, six of them, if I uh, recall. Five on a regular basis. A sixth one shows up by the end of the series, okay. but it's only for like one episode. So, yeah, we, Presumably, they'd be more important later. So they have, the, uh, there are a bunch of sects, and evidently there's a sect in like each American, like a group of sects in each American city. So there are mm. millions of vampires in the world. Yeah, yeah. But, but they are hiding from humanity, hence the masquerade. Mm-hmm. Take a drink. Uh-huh. Okay. Here, here's every, so time every time someone, they use one of their, their dumb terminology. Here's, here's what you do. If you take a drink every time someone says the word masquerade, mm. anytime someone says a variation on the word embrace or embraced, mm. and anytime someone openly declares for no reason what house they're in, <laughs> we are Ventru. Of course we believe this way. You are Bruja. Like anytime anyone mm. says that, you will get so smashed and probably enjoy the show more. Let's run it real fast. Here, here's here's the, the main. Uh, houses well, well, that we run into okay, in the show. Yeah. Um, the Ventru. The Ventru, which is like the ruling class, the royal mm. family. Uh, the Toreador, who are the artists. Typically, they're musicians, but I presume they also act. <laughs> like they, uh, all right. They're in the entertainment industry. They run the entertainment industry. And, and I'm wondering, but to join one of the houses, you have to be, quote, embraced, which is their slang term for... Being made into a vampire. Being made into a vampire. You have to be embraced by someone from that house. Yeah. So... And then and then their if, blood is inside you, and then you have, you have like, like, their, the, their, their traits. Their, their memories and their, their talents and their... Their traits. Their, and their uh, yeah. resentments as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you were to be bitten by a Toreador, would you suddenly become talented at, I think at you playing instruments l- if you weren't before? I think you'd be more interested in the, in the, in the medium. I bet there are a lot of critics in the Toreadors. <laughs> um, other, other houses include the Bruja, which are basically the mafia. Yeah, they're basically the they're, criminal they're the, sect. They're the thugs. Yeah. Uh, there's the Gangrel, who are the teenagers on motorcycles. I hated them. <laughs> no, me too. Uh, there are the Nosferatu, who are the ones that look like Nosferatu, mm, aptly it, titled. Except for the one guy who looks kind of normal. Like, he's just got a like, bald head and it, a big brow, and that's kind like of big, it. Yeah. He's got, like, big earlobes. Like, that's it. Like, he had some work done. Like, I don't know mm. exactly what happened. And then, uh, lastly, we do meet, in, the, in an episode later on, the embarrassingly named Asmites. <laughs> Azimites, I think. Yeah, but, they uh, say it real fast. So Many it sounds like Asmites. They sound like Asmites. We Which, have to bring in the Asmites. Oh, God, not those. No, I'm like... <laughs> I, I just sprayed for those. And the Asmites are uh, uh, shape-changing assassins. They can look like anybody. Uh, now, in the game, I'm just going to burn through this real fast. Just so you have, <laughs> a, general, just so you have a general sense of how, how complicated this gets. Uh, uh, there are also uh, the followers of Set, who follow the god Set. Uh, there are the Giovanni, <laughs> who are rich. Uh, there are the La Sombra who have darkness powers. Uh, there are, <laughs> Shut up. There are Shut the, up with your darkness powers. There's the Malkavian who are all insane. Mm. Uh, there's the Ravnos who are the thieves and con artists, the David Mamet characters, if you will. Uh, <laughs> there are the Tremere. It might be Tremere. I'm not 100% sure. I apologize if there are any masquerade fans. Probably Tremere. Uh, there's no accent, so I, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and they are sorcerers. Uh, and oh, lastly, Jesus. they the are. Too. And lastly, God, fu- whoever came up with this name uh-huh. was was trying to fuck with me because it's spelled T Z I M I S C E. Chimiche? 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 Yeah, I don't know. It sounds kind of great. Just, you know, Sashiki. But then, I don't know. Anyway, they're the scholars. They're like, they're the nerds. The Greeks. Yeah, they're the historians. The Yeah, and that's. So. You come up with a character, you pick a house, you co- you go on various adventures. You know, I have a friend who, for many, many years, tried to start his own comic strip. Mm. It was going to be this epic thing, and he came up with 
literally dozens of characters and their complicated backstories and how they're related to one another and how they came to be at the start of the, uh, the comic strip. And he mm-hmm. designed the mansions and he did blueprints of like the mansions they live in. And he came up with these complicated backgrounds. He's going to put in this comic strip and he had such a complex mythology for all of these families and how they interact that he never actually got the comic off the ground. Yeah. And he could never come up with any stories. That's the problem. And I feel that's where we are with Kindred the Embraced. It they is. are so focused on being game masters mm-hmm. that they don't know what to do with this world now that they're in it. Yeah, we'll talk about the storylines and, and we'll talk mm-hmm. about the cast in, in a second. But when I was uh, uh I've talked to a lot of screenwriters, professional and, and and amateur. People are just getting their start. And you can often tell the people who are passionate. Then that's good. That's a good start. Mm. But people who aren't there yet, because they will, you will ask them to tell you about their screenplay. Usually a mistake. But <laughs> they'll say, no, what's your screenplay about? Mm. And they'll tell you a lot of stuff. And they'll say, that all happens before page one. Yes. Mistake. Yeah. yeah tell us, too- how do we, the audience, get involved in this story? Mm. Now, there's a lot of really trite ways to do that. Like, you know, oh, and there's a woman who gets saved by Blade. And he, like, tells her all the exposition. Mm. It's functional. It's not brilliant, but it'll get the job done. Plus, you need she, to she fi- was at least an interesting character. Yeah. You need to find a way into the story. And that is one of the things that Kindred the Embraced really stumbles on. And uh, when we talk about the pilot, this is actually one of the worst pilots I've seen it is, in a while. Oh, my God. It is the most confusing yeah. thing I've ever seen. And, it's, and, and, it's and, and, I've, and I've watched all of David Lynch's movies. Yeah. So we, we start. Okay, OK. So ostensibly, the main character of Kindred the Embraced is well, the cop played by C. Thomas Howell. But we lose sight of him pretty quick. They, they run out of things for him to do by like episode three. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So uh, real fast. Uh, the cast includes uh, C. Thomas Howell as Detective Frank Cohaner. Cohaner? Uh, Frank, I, I forgot. I, I only remembered Frank. He's Frank. Mm. Anyway, you know C. Thomas Howell from Red Dawn, The Hitcher, Soul mm. Man. This was a weird time for C. Thomas Howell because he was like a big teen star in the 80s. And with good cause, he's very talented. But by the mid-90s, he was doing a lot of Skinamax. He was yeah, doing a lot of movies yeah. with titles like Jailbait and Dangerous Indiscretion <laughs> with Joan Severance. He appeared with Joan <laughs> Severance a lot. I think they were friends. But maybe they were probably really close. Probably made out well. That I imagine so. Um, there's you, also, you ever see like a, a screen pairing and they get to kiss and just like oh they they know how to kiss each they, other. They're having fun. Yeah, yeah, those two are like kissing the same way. Yeah, uh, like whether or not they're an off-screen couple or anything, just yeah. they, they kiss the same way. Uh, the other main character uh, is Julian Luna. Mm. Uh, he is the prince of the vampires, at least in, in uh, San Francisco, where this takes place. Mm. Uh, he's played by Mark Frankel, who had a very short career. He starred in the Cancel Too Soon series Fortune Hunter, which I'd like to get to someday. He was in an Italian movie I liked at the time called For Rosanna. Uh, and sadly, that was a pretty good movie. And sadly, he died that. in 1996. Oh, right after the show. Maybe. The show the show aired in 1996. It got canceled on May 9th, or oh. at least uh, that was the last episode of the show. And then he died in September in a, in a motorcycle accident. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's really, really sad. So like, even if the sad thing is... The show was going to end regardless. They would have had to do something. Yeah. Like it was, it's real. That's too bad. He's, he's good. <gasps> Maybe they got too close to the truth. Shut up. <laughs> um, and then we'll talk about uh, the various other characters later. But those mm. are like the two that are we're led to believe are the protagonists, and then they kind of pretend other people are protagonists mm. well, well as well. Also, the uh, producer of the show. Uh, Aaron Spelling? Well, there's Aaron Spelling, but the people who did the most work on it. Aaron Spelling was kind of rubber stamping this. Mm. Uh, Mark Ryan Hagen created Vampire the Masquerade and Werewolf the Apocalypse, some of the uh, role-playing games this was based on. Mm. Uh, And it was also produced by John Leakley, 
who fans of this show will remember from Nightmare Cafe. <laughs> uh, he also created a werewolf show called Wolf Lake, which we have, we'll, we'll and we'll get, get to, to it. We'll some get point. to Wolf Lake. Yeah, might um, take us until next Halloween, but we'll get to it. So the first episode of Vampire the Masquerade, oh, they have God. a lot of work to do. They have more work to do, honestly, than they probably needed to do. Well, again, this is this is a, a show written by game masters, so they yeah. have to spend almost the entire length of the the pilot, which is. I think it was an hour and a half when it aired. It was a little long. It yeah. was a little long. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was they, full double length, but it was longer than usual. Yeah. They, so they have to spend the entire time establishing the rules of this universe. Mm-hmm. And there are so many sects mm-hmm. and so many weird side magical things and the way these vampires operate and what can kill them and what can't kill mm-hmm. them. And every time you that, do a vampire story, you get to decide what rules apply to you and which ones don't. Yeah. And rather than sort of, introduce those details gradually over the course of the show it's just info dump right away and it's confusing it's very confusing so the basic plot of the episode Mm. uh is c thomas howell is investigating uh organized crime in san francisco and at the top of this organized crime there are some vampire sects including uh uh, luna Mm. uh and also the head of the bruja uh, who is Eddie Fiore, played by Brian Thompson? You you know Brian Thompson. He's the guy with the big mean face. Yeah, he's he's not Adam Baldwin, is how I know him. He's just big not and Adam mean Baldwin. looking. Yeah. Uh, he was the uh, he was the bad guy in the Sylvester Stallone movie Cobra. Mm. Uh, he was the alien bounty hunter in the X Files. He had played mm. a bunch of characters in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and he was Shao Kahn in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Did he play the bad guy in the Dungeons and Dragons film as well? No. Or, no, what, what am I You're thinking, thinking of? of uh, um, well, there was Jeremy Irons, but be, behind him it was the bad guy from Passenger Fifty Seven. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Bruce Payne. Okay, Bruce Payne, who wears purple lipstick and just doesn't know. look like he knows how to rock what, that what color. Weird fantasy. Oh, you know what it was? It was Dragon Heart. He's in yes. Dragon Heart. Yeah, I think he's in Dragon okay. Heart. You're right. Um, so. C. Thomas Howell is called to uh, the scene of a crime, mm. uh, and he gets there just as a bunch of vampires are killing another vampire. And the mm. vampires jump off the building, and then the vampire, it's dawn, and the vampire explodes into flame. Mm. And But it, they like it's like their shoes catch on fire. Like, fire just sort of burns up their body. They don't explode like it in a big ball of gore, which would have been a lot more fun. What's the best vampire on fire scene you've ever seen in a movie? Like, sunlight, vampire, Mm. boom. I I did like the scene of Udo Kier, like, on the beach being executed in Blade. Oh, that's a good one. They, like, wrenched out his fangs with pliers, and they Mm. just left him on the beach as the sun was coming up, and Mm. he just sort of burned up. And The the best explosion, though, is probably Don Rickles' Innocent Blood. (laughs) Innocent Blood! Oh my god, I'm so glad you brought it up. I was just about to ding you with it. I was like, ah, best one's Innocent Blood. <laughs> Innocent Blood, directed by John Landis. Uh, it was, a lot of people joke it was a French vampire in America, mm. which it kind of is. Uh, it stars Anne Paraloud from the original Nikita uh, as a French vampire in New York, biting her way through mafiosos, played by Robert Loggia and Chaz Palminteri. And uh, she ends up accidentally turning the head of a mafia uh, into a vampire. And he starts biting all of his henchmen to create a vampire mafia. So, and she's got to kill them all before, uh, she, before it's too late. And it's fucking great. And Don Rickles plays the lawyer who gets bitten. And they just open the curtains in his uh, hospital room. Uh-huh. And he, and he like chars cr- and crackles into ash and it's glows. Really and great special effects. It's great. You could, like the whole scene was the whole movie was made just for that scene. But it's still a good movie. Like I tell anyone to see that movie. I love that movie. Um, 
So yeah. yeah. So C. Thomas Howell starts investigating, investigating, and it turns out he's actually dating a vampire. And yeah, his girlfriend yeah. is a vampire, played uh, by his... Ellen Ty from Battlestar Galactica. It took me a real long time to recognize her, and I'm going to forget her name. His so his partner um, keeps on telling him these really sort of cryptic. Kate things. Vernon. Kate Vernon. Mm. Uh, tells him all these cryptic things, uh, like like he reacts to news of vampires a little bit too easily. Mm-hmm. Like, and I f- I think I figured it out. I think they might actually be like creatures of the night. This would explain, or, or at least they think they're vampires, but I think they're actually vampires. And his partner doesn't say you're in, you're crazy. They can't possibly be vampires. He says things. Leave this alone, man. Mm-hmm. It's more than you understand, man. So when it's Wink. Re- when it's revealed that he's also a vampire near the end of the pilot, it's not a very big surprise. And they don't really go anywhere with that. No, I feel like they were like the going par- to. The and partner they... is the vampire. Well, we'll talk about this in a second. But like, first off, uh, the partner is played by Eric King, who a lot of people know from the first couple of seasons of Dexter. Okay. There's a meme, which is just him saying, surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> like, that's, that's Eric King. Uh, yeah, so... What we find is that C. Thomas Howell, because he's had an ongoing like romantic and sexual relationship with a vampire, the idea that we learn in the pilot is that he is kind of immune to vampire tricks. Like vampires yeah, will like hypnotize yeah. you so that you don't remember that they're a vampire to protect the masquerade. Uh, but then later on, there's an episode where he finds out his partner is a vampire, and his partner's just kind of keeping tabs on him this whole time, and his partner just hypnotizes him. And I'm like, dude, that was like five episodes ago. <laughs> that was the that was the premise of the show. We're only dealing with eight episodes of material. The well, only reason it's because Howell, the only reason C. Thomas Howell is on the show and can stay and can keep remembering who vampires are is because they can't hypnotize them. Then they fucking hypnotize them. Uh, and the problem with that is because the the focus of the show shifts from T. 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 Thomas Howell. T. Thomas Howell. <laughs> C. Thomas Howell to to Julian. Uh, Julian uh, becomes the main character. Well, he does really quick. Doesn't. Okay, so the pilot episode, uh, he he finds out that vampires exist. Uh, his, his girlfriend, girlfriend is is put is slated for execution for sleeping with a human. Well, I'm letting him know the vampires exist. Yeah. Also, that's 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 the real thing. She broke the masquerade, and that's that's a death sentence. Your unlife is forfeit. They said. But she says. Uh, but she tells uh, uh, Julian. Uh, because they have a long relationship, that the one thing I ask is that you don't kill him. Mm. Don't don't kill this guy. I love him. Give him that much. And Julian says, fine. <laughs> uh, and so the idea is that they're going to have this uneasy alliance and that will be the show. And that is not the show because... That would have been an okay show. That would have been fine. That, that's that's a show. You oh. could do that show. Just a crime show mm. in, the, uh, uh, in The Wire, but with vampires. The Vampire. <laughs> the Vampire is a good idea for a show. Oh, uh, uh, you don't have to call it that. Okay, fine. Uh, but then in the second episode, they I guess they realized that that wasn't sexy enough because they kind of like got rid of the whole any love angle and this is an Aaron Spelling show and we kind of fucked up. So they introduce a brand new protagonist and C. Thomas Howell gets pushed aside immediately. Uh-huh. And C. Thomas Howell is again kind of the most recognizable actor in the show at the time. He was the big get. And, and then now he's, he's a supporting player. And now he's a supporting player in favor of uh, Caitlin Byrne, played by Kelly Rutherford. You uh, know Kelly Rutherford's Kelly Rutherford's face. Oh, yeah. She's been in a lot she's of She's been in a lot. She's, she was on Gossip Girl for forever. Mm. She was on Melrose Place. She was in Scream 3. And she was in The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., which we will, of course... I, I know... I recognized her from Briscoe County yeah. Jr. She looks a lot like Sherilyn Fenn, like a blonde Sherilyn Fenn. I can see that. And uh, Sherilyn Fenn usually often is blonde. 
I oh, guess wait. so, yeah. No, I'm thinking of Cheryl Lee. You're right. No, Cheryl, yeah, Cheryl yeah, Lee. Yeah, yeah, Fenn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, also from Twin Peaks, but yes. I see what you got. Yeah. Um, yes, she, she has features kind of like Cheryl and Fenn. She was on Briscoe County Jr. Mm-hmm. We will get to Briscoe County Jr. eventually. We're saving it for a special episode. <laughs> it's one of those like rare and, yeah, shows we can only uh, do once, so we're saving it. She's a, a reporter. She wants to do a story on Julian mm-hmm. uh, because he's super duper wealthy, but nobody knows anything about him. So she's... Evidently, throughout this entire season, she's just doing the one story. I don't think they ever publish anything no, on they, Julian. No, because the yeah, well, oh no, because what happens is what happens is she's doing a story mm. on Julian, who is one of the most powerful men in America and is one of the most mysterious. Like we can't find his birth certificate; no one knows mm. anything about him. And How a lot, interesting! A lot of people don't even know his name. He's not famous, exactly, and that's interesting. So mm. she finds this out. She's researching him, and then basically what happens is Julian Luna buys the newspaper. He does, yeah, and he the kills of... the story, and then he becomes her editor, and then he, she, she works on assignments that often tie into vampire shit. Well, and also, but isn't she, she continues to interview him after that, But though. they're just so in a relationship, still, though, well, yeah, I think, at she, that point. They, they, they okay, start well, being in a romantic I, I got the impression that she was still working on that story. I got like, the impression the that, the, I got the the he became her editor so that he could kill the story and that he successfully did. Oh, okay. And then they had a close relationship. <laughs> but the idea of, like, okay, here's the head of the vampires, and he's got a close relationship with TV, uh, like, a good TV job. Mm. A cop, reporter. Mm-hmm. Lawyer, doctor, all of those are TV jobs. Something interesting happens every single day. So we gave up on C. Thomas Howell. This isn't going to be a cop show. That's too. That's too macho. We need something sexy. So we have a human woman mm. and a vampire who refuses to turn her and or and, let and her he, know the secret. And he's dead sexy, by the way. Oh, he's, he's a cool. good-looking dude. And he's he's got like a nice young body. Udo Kier. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like a young Udo Kier. Young, like that's what he's got. Young good Udo vibe. Kier, but with that like kind of ice creamy chest that you <laughs> saw a lot in the 1990s. The kind that the kind that looks really nice to spread oils on. Let's talk a little bit about the romantic subplots because uh, oh. there is a love triangle uh, between Julian Luna, mm-hmm. uh, Caitlin Byrne. And also uh, Lily Langtree, played by Stacey Haydick from Superboy, the series, the live action series. Sequest 2032, True Blood, Young and the Restless. She plays the head of the just tor- tw- Just 2030. Was it 2030? I thought it was 2032. No, Sequest oh. or no, Sequest DSV. Oh, okay. You're thinking of C-Lab 2030. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. I, did, I totally mixed those Sequest up. DSV. Yeah. C- uh, Sequest DSV. She plays the head of the Toreador clan. Uh-huh. And she has had a long-running, on-and-off-again romantic relationship with Julian. And when Sla- Julian, Slash rivalry. Slash rivalry. Yeah. But like, but what happens is when he starts really falling in love with this human girl, she gets super jealous. And it's she, I like her character a lot because, you know, these are vampires. They've she, lived a yeah. very long time. Conventional morality doesn't really apply to them. Um so at times she's very moral. She does the right thing. Mm. But when something is in her way, fuck it. Who gives a shit? They're human. I'm, I'm a vampire. I can <laughs> yeah. just kill, kill these lesser creatures. And when I think when the show deals with that, th- like that kind of morality where you can be a good character mm. on a long enough timeline and still do <laughs> horrible things. Like we talk, we find out more about Julian's, uh, Julian's backstory and he did some really horrible things, but yeah, now he's atoning yeah. for it and he has time to do so. And so we, we you, can still like him. It makes you wonder like if, if you're on like an infinite timeline, like yeah. you, you live millennia, you mm. know, how many times can you, fall from grace and redeem yourself like a lot i imagine you fall into a cycle after a while it's like mm-hmm. i'm going i'm very redeemable i'm very good and then you spend a couple years just murdering everyone mm-hmm. and then you have to go back into your cycle of redemption again to sort yeah. of get back well one thing i think about a lot um people talk about uh, oh wouldn't it be horrible to be immortal we hear we see that a lot in vampire stories mm-hmm. or highlander the idea that you live forever and then you see the people around you die and it's just so tragic and wouldn't you rather just be dead well the first I, time would be rough yeah <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing, like, you, we've all, listen, I, I hope 
wouldn't it be great if we never had to deal with the tragedy of loss in our lives? Mm. It's one of the most painful, brutal, just awful experiences any human being can go through, and I don't wish it upon my worst enemy. But you live long enough, it's probably going to happen at some point. Mm. And what you discover, I hope, is that it hurts, and it never quite goes away, but you do manage to deal with it, and you do manage to live. Mm. And eventually you you can move on and live a life of, mm. of happiness and you know treasure those memories. Um, so I think that on a long enough timeline, yeah, I, I'd get over it. Mm. Like, I'd be sad for a few years, but fuck it, I'm going to live to be five million. You know, did you ever I'll, read I'll, the, I'll find someone else in a hundred years. Did you ever read the Jorge Luis Borges story, The Immortals? Didn't read that oh, one. It's about a fellow who's looking for immortality, and he ends up find, finding this out in you know the wilds of the world, somewhere that's so far away it's practically not on the planet anymore. And he finds the immortals, and it turns out they're like mute, mud-covered men who just lay in holes. Because mm. what does it feel like to lay at the bottom of a hole for five hundred years? Let's they, find out. They, yeah, they they have well, nothing to live for because there's no death. Remember when we found out in Star Trek Voyager what mm. the dimension of the Q is actually like? Yeah, and like they're a, like, you couldn't understand it, so we're gonna we're gonna give you this visual metaphor, and it's just this shitty desert outpost, and <laughs> one of the queue is just there, hanging yeah. as the scarecrow, yeah. and it's just like, we've all been the scarecrow for a few thousand years. <laughs> He's just got to find out. <laughs> like, that's, yeah, that, that's what immortality would really be like. We, yeah. But since we're mortal, we don't like to stretch our minds quite that far. Well, we like to reassure ourselves. Yeah. The thing we can't have would be unpleasant. Mm. There's a lot sour, of... So- sour grapes. <laughs> well, a, lot, a lot of stories about uh, being rich is like that, too. Mm. Oh, isn't it horrible to be rich? Mm. Wouldn't, you, wouldn't you be so much happier being poor and having a mm. being able to focus on family? And I'm like, that's, uh, that's based on the movies that rich people make for poor people to watch. <laughs> so I always find it a little suspect <laughs> whenever they do a story like that. Whenever Tim Allen gives up work to be with his family i'm like this is made by rich people mm. for poor people to hypnotize themselves with and not go out and be productive uh, i don't buy it but that's me being a conspiracy theorist we need to we need to get back on track all right fine all right so uh okay so in the first the, episode there, all that are, there are other relationships as well because yes. we have our motorcycle vampire dude uh yes cash who is dating a pretty young human woman well okay so there's cash he's the hunky dude you can tell mm. they wanted to be like the james dean type well uh, well the jason Priestley yeah, type really. he's, he's a gangrel uh and uh, he falls in love with uh julian's granddaughter i think granddaughter great-granddaughter uh, yeah but, a, a distant relation to julian when he was but human, they don't have he a had very, a family they don't have and a she's really, his last relative he's they, his last relative but they don't have a close relationship from what i understand no yeah. he at the in the first episode it's actually it's it, it's kind of cool and it's kind of not there's like julian is like goes to a funeral of one of his last living human relatives mm. and this human relative had a vineyard and they just talk about wine constantly, and it gets old real fast. Uh, but then his very uh, uh, rebellious teenage uh, daughter, this guy, the guy died, uh, comes in, makes a big scene, and Julian decides to take her in. And it only takes a couple of episodes for her to find out there are vampires and decide she wants to become one. Mm. Um, and she wants to become one. She wants to be uh, inducted into the Gangrel clan by Cash because she's in love with the dude. Yeah. And Julian struggles with this but finally says it's fine. And then, but. <laughs> oh my god, and this is the best episode of Kindred, by the way. We're just going to skip ahead because the, the, the storylines like get kind of muddled. It's like the third or the fourth, but yeah. yeah. This so, is actually pretty cool. So she agrees, Julian finally begrudgingly agrees to let her become a member of the Gangrel Clan. To be embraced. To be embraced. And the dude 
comes home to to get started on the process, and then the Bruja have it have forced her to become a Bruja. Yeah, like, like they, they, it's 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 what, a, it's horrifying. Like it's a scary the, scene. You're bitten by that clan. You become that clan. So she's bitten by Bruja. And Brujas have a long-standing feud with gangrels. So, and so, boom, the episode is the literally next, called Romeo and Juliet. Uh, it was a little obvious, <laughs> isn't it? Um, so yeah, the, now in future episodes, when she sees her old boyfriend, mm-hmm. b- biker vampire, there's a lot of baggage. Well, it, she she has now this growing animosity toward him because of this sort of genetic thing that's been put inside of her. And she has no control over it, and it sucks. She keeps mm. there's a talk about how she's trying to like overcome her uh, her her DNA uh, mm. and well what it is now anyway because she had that blood transfusion. And um, I I would have liked to have seen like the story go on past that because I find this rigid codification mm. of these societies really arbitrary. Look, but it's, it has to stay clear, otherwise it would be even more confusing. I and I'm, I'm that's glad they, they at least narrowed us down to like five or six clans rather than all thirteen because it would have just been insufferable otherwise. Uh, there's so, yeah, one that, other, and she the two of them show up, but I think. Even a few episodes later, she just says, "Okay, I'm Bruja now. We're not going to talk anymore." Yeah, that, it that, moves on pretty quick. It, that that would that falls into the background. It was foregrounded for a while, and it mm. feels like a note from the studio: make the young kids important. And then they just got bored with it again. Uh, and then the last main character we haven't talked about is uh, Daedalus, the, uh, the Nosferatu guy. Yeah, he's he's the head of the Nosferatu clan. He's also very good friends with Julian. The Nosferatu, because they, unlike the other vampires, they look vampire. They vampiric. look, look, they look like monstery, monsters. Yeah, except for uh, this guy who like could pass. This guy could pass, but we see other ones, and they do indeed look mm. like they're out of that Werner Herzog or FW or Now movie. They mm. they look rat like. Um, so they they stay in the shadows, they stay underground, and they stay out of all the other affairs. But mm. Daedalus is Julian's sort of right-hand man. He does a lot of the dirty work. Uh, he's played by Jeff Kober, uh, who you'll know as the uh, the hunky kangaroo guy from Tank Girl. That's right. Yeah. He's also on Sons of Anarchy, China Beach. Uh, in Earth 2, he played the ZED, the cyborg. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, you might recall him from that. So he has a great, he has a great deep voice. And he's kind of attractive, but in a very like world weary kind of way. I see casting was a vampire is a good choice. Yeah, he, yeah. he has that sort of Byronic uh, tone to him. And yeah. he uh, does have an episode where he gets uh, romance. Yeah, he falls in love with a, a, a singer. And this is another one of those shows, and I hate it whenever a show does this or a movie does this, mm. where a character is supposed to be one of the best musicians in the world, and you can tell that they just didn't have the money or, to get a good song. Or, or, or they have one of those things where it's like, oh, yes, and they're the greatest artist or writer of all time, but we never get to see their actual art. Here we see it, and it, it sucks. There's a, there's a, there's a rock star we meet in a future episode mm. uh, who becomes a problem because he keeps embracing his fans without getting approval, and that's like breaking yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's a great and he looks a lot like Adrian Grenier from Entourage he does I mean. um, he was actually the guy from uh, The Opposite of Sex a really oh, yeah, great yeah, yeah. 1990s indie comedy that no one talks about anymore if you ever want to see yeah. something you haven't seen that's a good movie um, but uh, yeah we they talk about him and he's given this performance and he seems like I don't know like a guy who's the is head of a the, band who is this Daedalus or the rock star the rock star right. the rock star he, he seems like the guy who'd be like the head of a band who is like the 10th track on the Crow City of Angels soundtrack. Yeah. Not even Jurassic 5, but like the one way in the back. <laughs> this was their big break and they didn't make it work. Mm. Like that's as good as his vibe gets. Not, but, a, not as not as big as Screaming Trees, you know? But then you hear Lily, the head of the Toriator, talking about it. It's like, remember? Remember when we saw Elvis play at that bar for the very first time? This is what that was like. And I'm watching it, I'm like, no, it's 
fucking not. <laughs> All he, he has one move. He, he like sings really passionately into the microphone and then he pushes it away and he raises his arms up. Like not he even shows like, off his chest underneath yeah, his open leather like jacket. Val Kilmer yeah. in the doors. Like not even Jim Morrison, like Val Kilmer did it. Like that's, that's the guy's vibe. And I'm like, that's not fucking Elvis. I don't give a shit. So, but, oh, and by the way, all of this takes place in like one of the show's main settings. Oh yeah. Haven. Yeah. The vampire bar. In the nineties, I don't think they do this very much anymore, but in the nineties, every like cool show mm. had a bar or a coffee shop where everyone hung out. Well, it was a good way to get an entire ensemble in one location. So and it was a good in, way to get musical guests. In Beverly Hills 90210, it was the Peach Pit, and later on, the Peach Pit after dark. <laughs> In You're, Friends, it was, it was uh, the Central Perk. Central Perk. Uh, yeah, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was the bronze. Yeah, there was there was yeah. like the diner, the play. Yeah, the place everyone went to hang cheer, out. Cheers, more or less. But it's and a good uh, place to get. You get musical guests, it's a big crowd. It mm-hmm. makes it feel hip. Mm. Makes it feel hip. Like there was a, like when Disney uh, decided to put in like a nightclub for teenagers. Yeah. Remember yeah. that? Like that was an actual thing. It, it, like, it but was, it, it, just, it doesn't it also, necessarily sell it, but by God, they tried. It also provided a kind of a neutral zone. For the TV series, because, you know, especially something like Hydra and the Embrace, which is all based on romantic triangles Mm. and clan wars. There was at least this spot where we could go where we could take a breath and let, you know, things simmer for a little bit. Everyone has to be on their best behavior. It's technically public, but there's also a ton of vampires talk business. Nothing really dramatic is going to happen there. So we can actually slow down and do a little bit of character. There's a couple of bar fights, but even that's a sort of thing like not here. It's it's not the climax. It's like there's a bar fight. Okay. Oh, but no, no, not, not at Haven. Yeah. And I actually really appreciated that because it at least gave me an anchor mm. <laughs> amidst all of the swirling vampire mythology that's just sort of speeding past me. Um, so the episode we were talking about uh, live, is... Live fast, die young, and leave an attractive corpse was the uh, actual title of the, the show. Well, that was the rock star one. The, rock but the, star the episode one. I was thinking about with uh, uh, Daedalus. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was... Uh, he falls in love with a musician. Mm. And... Uh, then uh, what happens is like he's, he's like he does this whole thing with the opera thing. I was like, I will help you. I will help you. You will love me, but you will never see my face. And he's like, please let me see your face. And then he like puts on a potion mm. to make himself look like just the actor actually looks very attractive. And he's got hair. And then they they have a romantic evening. And then he wakes up in the morning and he doesn't have hair and his earlobes are a little long. And that's it. And she freaks out. And she completely freaks out. And said he was a more he was more monster than man. And I'm like, you found out he was wearing a wig. <laughs> that's that's what you should have gotten out of this. Oh, you're bald. I I can work with that. You're very nice. Yeah, it, like that, it's it's different. Uh, it wasn't really my thing, but yeah, we can work with this. You're cool. It's not like an I'm gonna get you sucker. It's like he, t- he takes home this attractive woman, and she's uh-huh. like, I have a confession to make. My eyes aren't really green, and she takes out her contacts. Like ah, that's fine. And oh, and by the way, and she pulls off her wig and starts like essentially disassembling her entire body. Like her leg falls off. You don't remember that scene? I, I don't, actually don't think I've ever seen all of that movie. <laughs> I don't yeah, think I've ever seen all that. It's movie. kind of disturbing in, yeah. in that context. Like my eyes aren't really green. Also, this leg isn't real. Um, the other subplot that that kind of takes us through the whole story is the Bruja trying to escalate, trying to become the the head of the vampire clan. Well, that's why she, why uh, the Bruja bit uh, motorcycle boy's girlfriend. Yeah, Julian, just to kind of pr- provoke a war. Yeah, Julian is uh, used to be an mm. enforcer for the Ventru. He was like their hitman. And Which we don't learn until like the second to last episode. We learn, yeah. we know that he had a violent past, but now he is all about peace, peace mm. at all costs, even if it means taking it on the chin and not looking dignified. That's mm. the important thing to him: is peace, 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 peace. Uh, the Bruja want war, 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 <laughs> and so they keep trying to provoke Julian to get into a war. They almost provoke a war. Um, it doesn't go great. 
the, the Nosferatu show up at the last minute, decide not to be impartial this time. And uh, Eddie Fiore ends up getting killed after trying to assassinate mm. uh, uh, Julian. There's a big fight. Mm. Eddie Fiore dies. Uh, and in the last episode, it's pretty cool, actually. Uh, the, uh, we find out that the reason why the Bruja have such a thing against the Venture isn't just because they're the Mafia clan. It's because uh, the previous Prince of the Vampires, whose mm. name is... Hold on, oh, I wrote it down. It's played by Archon Rain. Is this the Titus Welliver character? No, Titus Welliver is the guy who becomes the head of the Bruja at the end of the, of the show. Oh, right, right, I'm right, talking okay. about the guy who used to be head of the Venture, used to be the Prince of San oh, the, Francisco. Oh, the older guy, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Archon Rain, uh, played by Patrick Beauchot, who's a great actor. Mm. Uh, you might recall him from the TV show The Pretender and the band played on. He was in a great, I think it's a French movie called The Music Teacher. Uh, oh, that's, yeah, or, yeah. Or maybe it was British, I don't remember. I haven't seen him in a long time, but it was really, really good. Mm. Um, back when he was Prince and Julian was his enforcer, he sent Julian on a mission to kill an entire tribe of, like, an entire, like, uh, clutch of mm. Bruja. And he was under the impression that he was doing it for a damn good reason. And it turns out he did it for no reason whatsoever. It was just a power play. Yeah. And Julian didn't realize that he had just straight up fucking murdered innocent vampires. People, they had done nothing wrong. They had broken no law that we yeah, know of. Just following orders. Just following orders. And so the Bruja have had it out for Julian ever since. Because they think Julian was an evil motherfucker, and, and Julian was Julian, just a tool. Julian didn't find that out until like right before this. It's like, oh well, no wonder the Bruja hate me. I just yeah. it. like so. Titus Welliver, who you know from like, fucking everything, but Lost, for example, uh, he shows up he's to on, take over the. He's on that that documentary show botched. Oh wait, Bosch. That's a Shut joke. Up. That's a, <laughs> anyway, he takes over the Bruja, and there's this, there's a good moment where he gets the key, kills Arkan Rain. Arkan Rain accepts his fate. It's kind of dramatic. Mm-hmm. Falls into a fountain. It's a bit melodramatic, but okay. Uh, <laughs> Nothing in the show is not melodramatic. That's Every, true. Everything's played for played at ten. Yeah, uh, and uh, and uh, Julian is wants revenge. Then he finds out, oh shit, he did that. Mm. Well, this is awkward. Yeah, and then that's basically <laughs> the show. <laughs> Oh, that's the end of the show. It is. There's other stuff in the middle there. There's all this talk about I, how I, vampires don't kill people, mm-hmm. but every other episode is about a vampire who breaks those rules and starts killing people. Like yeah, every other episode is about that. Keep, keeping we never get sort of a sense of like the the world at large or how many vampires are in it or like kind of the consequences mm-hmm. of killing people. Well, uh, you're, you're in, supposed in, to, in the human world, and the whole yeah. point is, we were supposed to have C. Thomas Howell to be the intermediary to yeah. let us know how this is affecting the human world, and have us live in the human world and see how the vampires and the humans interplay. Yeah. C. Thomas Howell is pushed to the side so quickly mm-hmm. that we get no intermediary. It's just the vampire soap opera stuff, and the human character is Julian's girlfriend, mm-hmm. and even she even gets she, pushed aside. Even she gets pushed aside for Julian's own drama. Now, yeah. luckily, Julian's an interesting enough character to carry it. He is. I actually like Julian. And as a character, I like because he's a good diplomat and yeah. because he's done horrible things, he's, he he's rather complicated. Has a little actually. bit of an inner story, and I like him, and I liked his relationship with his ex girlfriend. And yeah. the, there's a whole subplot where she hires a private detective to take pictures, and the pictures reveal that there are vampires, and so she has to the, kill the private detective. And the detective tries blackmailing a vampire, which is the dumbest thing you could possibly do. It's like blackmailing Batman in the Dark Knight. Yeah. Stupid idea. Why would like, you? So do that? you think this guy's Batman, and you're trying to blackmail him? You know what Batman could do to you? <laughs> Batman could f you up, dude. <laughs> Like, but it's about, here's the thing. That's the thing. It's, it's really complicated. There's a lot of different characters. There's a lot of different storylines. And they never decide what their in is. Their mm. in with C. Thomas Howell. Okay, well, we're going to we're gonna focus more on the vampire shit than how humans deal with vampire shit. Okay, well, we do want to have a human character. Mm. So we'll give uh, Julian a, uh, uh, a human love interest who also investigates stuff. No, but no. we don't need her to investigate stuff because everything she investigates, Julian already knows about. Mm. So she can never help the plot. So... Uh, 
and she, even the exposition is given by other vampires. So we, do, we didn't we need don't the humans even, at all. We don't even need her to give exposition. Now, we didn't need any human on consider the Consider another Aaron Spelling joint. Consider Beverly Hills in a 2 and How we have like a brother and a sister character. Sister's dating a guy. They're in a high school. These are all very relatable things. Yeah. We all know what that feels like. Or we can get run our heads or, around or if, if we don't if, have siblings. Yeah, if, but like we understand or, the gist. If, or if we're younger, it's like this is yeah. kind of like we kind of understand what these things are about. These yeah, are these real, are plausible. Right. So when we're thrust into this complicated role-playing game world of complex mythology and warring clans, you need something human. You need to see Thomas Howell to let the human characters in, or you need to go full bore, just complete mythology nonsense. Now, the complete th- mythology nonsense would lose everybody, except for like really devoted fantasy fans. Well, I think, I think the problem with the complete mythology is that they're shoving, I mean, we there's like another like 12 clans we didn't meet, but like... They're shoving too much of it at once. If this had been about, just to start with, there are two vampire clans. The yeah. Ventru and the Bruja. The Bruja are trying to take over San Francisco, and then we gradually meet the others. Like yes. Every other episode, we meet a new clan. And like we se- can get, season four, we get to like clan five like or six. We, could, we can get our bearings a bit, and that way, we, when we introduce a new clan, we're still not confused about what the other clan is. Mm. The pilot is trying to do way too much at once, and it really should have focused on... Here's C. Thomas Howell, or the reporter if you really just screwed up. But, like, here's the human character. Mm. They get involved in the world of vampires. And right now, there's a clash between two clans of vampires. And then, Focus on those two. And they need to be able to absorb that, just that one rivalry mm-hmm. and all the details within just that one rivalry. Because we can understand so the rivalry we, yeah. between two groups. Mm-hmm. That's real classic it's the, drama. It's the Jets and the Sharks. That's all we need. Yeah. That's it. And then and then the, you can build the from that. in gear with cylinders. Like imagine <laughs> if the first episode of Lost had an exposition dump of everything you knew by season 4. Mm. It would not interest you. It would just push you aside. Yeah. And, now, and again, it gets better by the end because we've figured all this stuff out and the cast is pretty good. But yeah, it, it's a it's I can see why it didn't pick up a following quickly enough because that pilot was just, brutal. And there's just nothing to grab on even as it um, like starts to find focus. It's still not good enough by the end of eight episodes that you can really get your fingernails into it. Mm-hmm. Now, as we mentioned, there is a certain type of screenwriter and a certain type of audience that really like mythology over story and character. Like they're going to be really obsessed with a world. And I feel like this I don't is know if over should be the right word, but, they, over, certain, but, but they certainly love that aspect. They, they tend to fetishize that sort of thing. And this okay. is really prevalent in a lot of like young adult fiction. You find mm-hmm. stuff like in the Allegiant or Divergent series. It's like there's the different mm-hmm. sets and they each have like color coded medallions that they can wear. And sure. Grouping people into various personality types. It's even Harry Potter. There's yeah. like the the houses within Hogwarts, for yeah. instance. People sense. people who you know watch the movies, read the books, declare what their own houses are going to be. Even though I thought that was the job of the Sorting Hat. Well, but, the Sorting uh, <laughs> Hat just sort of supposed to just sort of focus you. Oh. Most people kind of know what they're in already, mm. and they even like when the pot goes on Harry Potter's head, it even just sort of asks him. Like it talks to him, like you could really be anything. Like you're really, yeah. like, you're full of potential. Like what, what? And finally, Harry Potter just says, "Well, I just don't want to be Slytherin." And he's like, "Okay, well, fine, Gryffindor it is." Yeah. Like that's basically it, it. Like you that, know, that's it's sort all of, in you, basically. It's sort of a compartmentalization of these various fantasy universes is very appealing to people because it's it kind of easy to understand once you learn what the sects are. Yeah. And I think the makers of this show latched onto that aspect from the role playing game. And tried to sell that as sort of its selling point, that it has a complex mythology. Mm-hmm. And for for the people who are watching this show who liked it, and for a lot of the people who are making it, 
a complex mythology is the same thing as good writing, which is not always the case. No, I think it's interesting though because like we talked about how like they kept trying to make like vampire shows work at this time. Mm. Again, this was the mid nineties. There weren't a lot of, there were a lot of, strike that, there were a lot of great genre shows, Mm. but they were, they weren't what they are now. They were still very episodic. We still had shows like the X-Files and yeah. even even most Star Trek uh, mm. was even with Vampire Slayer was very much just one episode at a time, and this was trying to weave an entire web. And I think it was trying to bring the soap opera dynamic into it. And I think and I think that's a noble ambition, and I think it could have worked. But people say the show like would have been a hit if it was on today. I don't think it would have, mm. but I think if they had taken the idea. And adapted it differently today. You couldn't just take the pilot and put it on today. No, people would say this sucks. It's still confusing. Yeah. Yeah. But you take the idea and do it today. Yeah. Mm. There's no reason why this wouldn't necessarily be a hit show on the CW. Like, this would be okay. Like, you could make in this fact, premise work. In fact, we have Shadow Hunters. Uh, <laughs> That's on Freeform, but I, okay. I, uh, potato, potato. <laughs> Freeform, CW. They're, 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 I feel like CW was evolving. joined twins, Freeform really. Freeform is what CW was eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and then eventually we'll become form. CW and we'll need a new, like, AB, like, uh, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't fucking know. Lifetime will become the new Freeform. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the plan is. Um, but yeah. But I think if you were to try to do this today, it would, they'd, like, try to sex it up a lot more. Mm-hmm. I would, think they'd focus more on the characters. And, and I think the characters would be younger. Uh, Generally. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be adult characters. This is a show about, and again, this is the same problem we have with Prophet. This is a show mm-hmm. about 30-year-olds, for the most part, playing people who are hundreds, if not thousands, of years old. That doesn't have that same sexy appeal, so, and you had those two teenage characters, and he, and I was and I was actually kind of dreading because they're good actors, but like I was kind of dreading them taking over the show mm. because it was a Fox show that aired after Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two and L. So it'd be like, I was more like, about oh, them. oh god, they're the least interesting characters. They're fine actors, but like there's they've got nothing mm. going on. And uh, they they did it for like one episode, and then they were back in the periphery, <laughs> and it was all about Julian Luna. And it's basically just like kind of a dark Highlander show after a while, and that's not bad. I suppose so. Um, I, I, does, I, 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 I want to say this: we 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 rip on the pilot; it gets better. It it, it slowly improves, but again, yeah. by the end of eight episodes, we're still not given anything we can really hold. It's it's still too scattered. Even though it 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 starts gaining focus, it focuses on Julian. It focuses on him. And by the time we get to the last episode, we at least have a handle on Julian. But the 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 rest of the world is still too scattered. We have all of these mm-hmm. characters who were introduced as key players, but have little to do with the actual main plot. Yeah, I feel like things concluded and restarted far too quickly along the the way. I feel like what it, we needed this was Aaron Spelling trying mm-hmm. to do what he did in Beverly Hills 90210, have these miniature like dramas of the week, but still continue the ongoing relationships. Yeah, but because it wasn't based on anything real that humans could relate to, and it was a little too mythology heavy. It left us lacking in so many dramatic. Well, and I think, uh, and I think you can corners. get, a, I think you get away with that. But this has to seem really alluring. And there's a lot of the just the day to day vampire shit just seems like middle management. Like yeah. it's not necessarily sexy. And I think if the show had gone on, mm. um, and it had a season two and beyond, hundred episodes, I think they, what they should have done was trimmed the fat a bit. Mm. You know, we don't need all these characters. Push them aside if they don't work. And I think you need to take the characters you do have and make give them more striking motives. Like, for example, see Thomas Al. He's still here. He's still under contract. Mm-hmm. We gotta do something with him. Instead of just having him be the cop that they turn to once in a while, which is what he becomes at the end of the season, what if 
he actually wants like so Luna does something that makes him think he needs to take him down, and he becomes the main antagonist to Luna. Mm. And then we kind of see it from both of their perspectives. Like, what if it's it's not about a grudging alliance anymore? It's about an actual war, mm. like and an actual combat, and Luna isn't allowed to kill him. Like, you could do something with that. Give him something to do. I would love to see that storyline, but after C. Thomas Howell and Gabriel had an affair. Yeah, you mean Luna? Pardon? You mean uh, Julian? Julian, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that'd be hot. Julian, yeah, the, I mean, that'd be great. See, Let's Thomas, do that. like Ju- Julian, th- he's bisexual. He uh, seduce, long enough, yeah, seduces I mean. this cop, and uh, and they have this brief affair. And see, Thomas Howell is sexually confused, and now he kind of has a sexual from, regard, but yeah. he has to take him down because he's a vampire. So there's a little bit more tension. I buy that from see Thomas Howell. There's a lot of like particular costuming decisions where he just uh, uh, doesn't read as macho. You know, yeah. as, as as conventional, like, tough too, guy masculine as you think. He's I too much of a pretty boy. Fluid, yeah. I mean, he's a pretty boy uh, teen star. So, yeah, yeah he's a little pr- too pretty <laughs> to play a, a tough, grizzled cop guy. Yeah, so I think I think you could play with that. I think mm-hmm. that would actually potentially work really, really great. But, yeah, no, I would love to see this, uh, uh, like, just pick a few characters, really make their dynamic really strong, make their competition with each other really strong. And then use that as a source to build outward rather than take something huge and try to find something small within it. Mm. I think that was a mistake. I think I think by the end of the series, I'm going to say this right now. I think if they had gone to another season and if sadly, uh, 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 I'm sorry, totally spacing on his name. If uh, Mark Frankel. OK. If Mark Frankel hadn't died. Mm. Total shame. He's really good. Yeah, like, I mean, it's sad when anyone dies, but like here, it's just like, oh, I really wanted to see him in more stuff. I was like surprised I hadn't. <laughs> I was like, there's no, oh, where, really? where is shit. he? Oh, he died. Yeah, it's <laughs> fucking horrible. And, but uh, if, if things had gone well, I think I would have watched season two. I think oh, I would have yeah? okay. given it a shot because I think, as I said, it's finding its focus. I like enough of the characters and I like enough of the premise that I would want to see where it went. So I am going to say this one was canceled too soon. It's not the best canceled too soon show we've had this season, like on this uh, year of the show by far. Mm. Uh, but I would be interested to see if they could write the ship, if they could figure out. We, we, we start off with some problems. There's yeah. a break. Season two begins. We focused it. Let's see if we can make it work. I can see this turning into something like solid and focused. The problem is it's still not the kind of show I want to watch. They're, they're, they didn't do enough interesting to really kind of lift it out of these soapy, mythy doldrums mm. that I think it would always have to be kind of beholden to. Aaron Spelling wouldn't let it go too far away from what he's familiar with, mm. sort of soap opera dynamics. Probably and true. the very premise of the show is a little too complex to really just sort of relax and enjoy. Mm. So, uh... No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have gone back. Okay, so you're saying it was it wasn't canceled. It, it wasn't canceled too soon. I'm gonna before we move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to give a shout out to two weird before they were famous cameos in this show. Oh yeah, okay. There's two that I'm just like what. So the first uh, not one, Titus Welliver. Not Titus Welliver. No, I mean like before they were famous. Like uh-huh. Titus Welliver was still like a working actor. This is like what. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an episode in which there is a vampire that's running like a children's health clinic. And they're torturing the kids or stealing their blood. I forget exactly how it works. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it turns out there's a kid who's dying and Daedalus, the Nosferatu, uh, he wants to, like a father figure. Yeah, he wants to take the kid in. He wants to protect the kid. He mm-hmm. wants to cure his illness. And uh, the little kid is played by like a nine-year-old Emil Hirsch <laughs> from Speed Racer, which is super weird. It's played super weird. Like, it took me forever to realize, how do I know him? And yeah, Emil Hirsch. Emil Hirsch. Uh, and then... Uh, uh, Later on in the episode where the rock star uh, 
is making vampires against the rules. Um, there's a woman who's like running around. She knows she needs something. She thinks it's drugs. And she goes to like a pharmacy and she says, I need something. Like uh-huh. I said, something heavy. And the pharmacist is like, well, I can't do that without a prescription. And that pharmacist, did you catch him? Uh, no, oh, who was it? David A.R. White. Really? The producer and star of God's Not Dead 1 and 2. Wow. This, like, Christian yeah, yeah. mogul oh, of yeah, entertainment I, industry. I wouldn't have recognized he's him. He's got, like, yeah. one scene. And he's a kid. He's, like, 20. <laughs> and, like, it's, it, it's, it's not a big scene. He didn't do anything that would, like, go against his values. He's just a pharmacist yeah. who won't give a woman drugs illegally. That's it. Perfectly respectable little moment. But it's super weird to see him in a vampire show. <laughs> wow, David A.R. White. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I only know the name. I know that. I know oh, you didn't recognize him? Okay. Yeah, I don't, didn't know what he looked like. Because I haven't seen those gods not Oh, that's right. Movies. You haven't, yeah. have you? Because I don't you lucky want, bastards. I don't want to. They're because not they good look movies. terrible. They're not good. I'm going to throw it out there. They're mm-hmm. not good movies. Someone's going to force us to watch that now. No, great. <laughs> Critically acclaimed. <laughs> okay, um, God's Not Dead 2. Uh, uh, we're going to pair it with The Seventh Seal. God. <laughs> Can't see it. Uh, we'll put up with defending your life. Uh, so that's uh, so that's Monstoper. Thank, that was our th- thank you of- for listening to our monstrous monstrous episode. Uh, if you were a Patreon subscriber. Uh, which we are still active on patreon.com yeah, slash cancel yeah. too soon. You also got to hear our uh, monthly movie slash miniseries. Uh, mm-hmm. This month we did Stephen King's The Langoliers. Yeah, uh, which was a weird, a, weird experience. A, a bit of a chore. It's one of his stranger, stranger stories, and it got a three hour miniseries. Uh, and Bronson Pinchot proves that he is uh, a god among men. <laughs> <laughs> but if it's you're... one of the best performances in a bad anything ever. It, like, and, it's so great. But yeah, you could only hear that if you are a, a Patreon subscriber. And uh, thanks for listening to that as well. Yeah. That, that just added to our whole uh, Monstober theme. Yeah, and if you're a Patreon subscriber, uh, and we have different tiers, but like if you're a Patreon subscriber, uh, you also get to vote for uh, the canceled. Uh, you get to vote for one episode a month, mm. and next month is Justice Month. In honor of a film called Justice League that's coming out in November. Yeah. Um, Every show that we review in November. Yeah. uh, TV shows that are all based on DC Comics, as is that film Justice League. Absolutely. And you're going to know some of these shows. You're not going to know at least. I I suspect you won't know at least one of the shows we're doing. (laughs) Like one of them is going to be like, that's a thing? Yeah, it's a Uh, thing. But you can also vote. And we're going to ask you, our Patreon subscribers, to vote for uh, uh, an episode. Uh, of an animated series based on a DC comic book. Mm. Uh, so of if, which there have been many. There have been quite a few. Most of them have been very successful, but there are a handful that just didn't take off and didn't last more than one season. And as a result, you get to choose between these five shows. Mm. Amethyst, Princess of Gem World, which is about a girl who gets sucked into her video game and becomes like a, a, a princess. It's actually pretty fun. It's the first time I liked that one when I saw it, but it's been a while. Let's see if it's any good. All right. Uh, there's uh, Green Lantern, the animated series, which is a very ambitious from like the series. mid two thousands, if I recall. No, like no, like like five years ago. Oh, okay. Like pretty recently. Even it was more it, recent. Than it was that. after okay. the Ryan Reynolds thing, but it wasn't related to it. It was just sort of. It was to the Ryan Reynolds movie what Batman the animated series was to Tim Burton's Batman. Uh, it, it expanded. It became its own thing. Mm. Um, and a lot of people liked it, but didn't make money, so they canceled that. Uh, there is Swamp Thing. The five-episode animated series about the heroic adventures of Moss. A big man made of swamp glop. Uh, there is Superman, the 1988 animated series from the makers of Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. And we know how much you love that episode, <laughs> so that might be fun, too. And uh, then your last option 
Uh, you get you five this time. You get Usually this we time. only get four. But your last option is Beware the Batman. The only, like, Batman TV show to, like, flop. <laughs> like, even, like, The Batman, which I didn't think was very good. Even that lasted a mm. while. Like, like th- this one just gone. They right. gave up on it super fast for some yeah, reason. Batman tends to be pretty successful. People even if the like movies are even if people uh, dislike the film, it's usually still successful enough. Like Batman like, and Robin wasn't like a flop. It, 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 it I think it broke even, it, but it like flopped it, comparatively, but yeah. it still made plenty of money. Like it wasn't it wasn't nothing. It, yeah, same it same okay, with like, like Batman v Superman. Like it made a huge amount of money, but not as much as they wanted. And yeah, it's not also not very well regarded because it's Pe- a bad flick. People but, like that Batman. Mm, people like yeah. That this Batman. is the the one failure Batman. Uh, uh, also, I, I did want to amend something. Oh yeah, uh, because uh, if you did listen to that Patreon subscribe oh, yeah. uh, miniseries episode, uh, we just declared that our next uh, monthly movie was going to be Dinotopia. Uh, the miniseries that took place in a utopia full of dinosaurs and people crash land there and find us mm. interesting dinosaur series. <laughs> but, <laughs> they find uh, an interesting dinosaur series yeah, right they're, there. They're, and, they're, and they're in it as well. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, as it turns out, a listener pointed out to us that this actually was spun off into a TV show, like an actual regular series, mm-hmm. this miniseries. So, so it's, it's, it's fodder while, for the proper uh, podcast, but not the monthly while we, yeah, While we deliberate the actual legitimacy of the miniseries, uh, we're going to change tax. And uh, we're actually going to be covering Wild Palms. <laughs> Which I've heard legends about, but never seen. It is a TV this, miniseries from Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone from 93. It's like just before Natural Born Killers when he's taking the most mushrooms and <laughs> trying to come up with this like future techno punk ish conspiracy theory type TV show in the near future. And there's a lot of like hallucinations and drugging of the populace kind of stuff. It's really confusing. It's very, very, very 90s, and it has a lot of interesting cast members. James Belushi, mm-hmm. uh, Dana Delaney, Robert Loja, uh, William Gibson has a cameo. Nice. <laughs> uh, but the next episode of the show proper, mm-hmm. which you can listen to whether or not you're a subscriber on Patreon, is going to kick off just as month, and we're going to kick it off just right. Because we're going to be talking about the 1990s live-action TV pilot for Justice League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they tried to do a live action TV Justice League series in the 90s. And I'm going to tell you like this right now. You can look this up online. Uh, it looks like a bad fan video now. <laughs> like if, if like a bunch of teenagers put this show together mm. now, we would be like, "Oh, good for you guys!" It's like be the stick at it, slugger. <laughs> like it's so cheap. It, it looks like that Max Landis Death of Superman video that he put together. Oh, but that had that had re- that that was even that the, felt more expensive than this. The, the idea was that it was wasn't supposed to have production value though. It's just know. people in masks and stuff. We'll talk about the the origin of that and why they thought that was an okay approach. But uh, that is it's a legendary failed pilot. We've had a lot of requests for it and. We're going to get to it. We're going to get to it next week, first week of November. Uh, cannot wait. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. We've had a lot of requests from more superhero shows, and we decided to just lump them all together. Like, just <laughs> threw a whole bunch in one month. we got cool stuff coming for you. we got some of our most requested shows, and again, at least one show I didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. So, it was on. I, I did no memory of it whatsoever. It's super weird. So vote, subscribe, um, do, do just engage with us, and be yeah. sure to come back on November 12th. That's right. November 12th on the Schmoes No uh, iTunes network, or you can check it out on SK Plus on YouTube, critically acclaimed, our first show. And if you want to help uh, uh, decide what bad movie we're going to review on that new podcast, go to Schmoville on the Facebook, the Facebook uh, group Schmoville. Uh, and uh, 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 there'll be a poll up soon, mm. like in the next, uh, probably the beginning of next week. Yeah. Um, so that's that. We, we do have email. Uh, it is canceled too soon 
at gmail.com. And I think, I don't know how far behind we are. Maybe we should do a bonus episode or something where we do. We, like we might have to do a bonus episode. A while we're not we... falling as far behind as you might think, but no. we, we are a little behind. Uh, but by all means, keep emailing us, mm. keep sending us suggestions, keep sending <clears> us your <throat> memories of these shows um, to ask us questions. It doesn't have to be directly related uh, to a show that we watch. It could just be about TV, ourselves, anything. Um, and uh, yeah, mm. it, it's an exciting time to be alive. Um, we love all <laughs> of you. Uh, we hope you had a good time uh, mm-hmm. in months over. Have a safe and happy Halloween, and that's a wrap. We'll see you next season. Oh wait, and uh, we have we're on Twitter at CancelCast, and I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And uh, yeah, Patreon.com/slash/Cancel Too Soon. We, we said it all. We're good. And uh, that's a wrap. We'll see you next season. Oh,